Blue Wire. Can you hear me? Uh, loud and clear. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. What the f***? <laughs> Let's waste no time. Three, two, one. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, the, the, the disgruntled Greg Foster. You know what's unsalvageable? <laughs> my f-ing relationship with Danny H. All right. Listen, this is the, the trade deadline spooktacular. <laughs> I really am interested to find out what you're so mad about. Greg texted me earlier and he just said, I'm mad. (laughs) You want to know what I'm upset about? I would love it. Let's go. What have we talked about since the, the inception of this podcast? The jazz new wing defender. (laughs) The jazz need guys. Yeah. And all I got from this trade deadline was a bunch of mixed messages. Okay. I got, I got, <clears throat> you know, I think it was great that they moved on from the Joe Eagles contract. I thought that was very necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy trails to Joe, even though I kind of actually rescind that because I'm 95, 98% sure he'll be waived by the Blazers and he's never going to leave Salt Lake and he'll more than likely resign with the team. Um, in July of next year or this year, I should say. And yeah, like six months, five months from now. So it's more like a see you later than a goodbye to Joe Eagles. He's not going anywhere. Um, but the mixed messages come from, you have the two best players that you have had since Carl Malone and John Stockton were the the cornerstones of your franchises in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. The franchise continues to tell us the fan people in the media, you know, everyone in the outside world that we are all in on Mm -hmm. winning right now. Yes. And the only two guys that you trade for in order for that to happen is a project Nikhil and a guy Walker. who will probably never see the floor Wancho in Wancho Hernan Gomez. <laughs> Gomez. You cannot tell me that you are trading for a prospect, a guy who is not going to come in and help you right away. I actually like the, the NAW deal. Right. And I think he's going to be a nice player in the future. Right. So what is it? What are you, are you all in on winning right now? Or are you planning for the future? Because you can't have it both ways. I think that the problem here is that so much changed for the Jazz when Joe Ingles tore his ACL. Like, I think more changed for the Jazz than what people are going to even believe. Totally agree. I was a fan. I thought that they should have traded him at the draft last year. Right. Like, that's... That's probably the biggest mistake is waiting so long on Joe, right? Which, like, we saw how cooked Joe was in the playoffs last year. Yeah. And we saw how cooked he was against the Denver Nuggets in the bubble. Like, you, he was a repeat offender. 
Again, like Joe Ingles, I think he was very integral to where the Jazz are at this point and is an all-time Jazz man. But it is our job to be honest. Joe Ingles was cooked. Joe Ingles could no longer defend. And when he's not an elite shooter anymore or an elite creator, then he's kind of lost his edge and has lost what makes him so valuable to this team. And the fact of the matter is he was a net negative in the playoffs twice, and he's been a net negative all season long. And they waited too long. There were all sorts of rumors that they were going to move him, and they ended up not. And then he blew his his knee out, unfortunately. And it seems to me the evidence leads to that mucked up all the plans for the Jazz. So it it seems kind of like a a too little, too late situation now. Yeah, because like, I think that, I think a couple of things. I think that one, the deals that were available to the Jazz before Joe got hurt maybe seemed like they would have fixed a lot of problems, but really they might not have. And then I also think that those deals were not available to them after Joe Ingles got hurt. And so ACL tear. Yeah. Post ACL tear. And so we have to think about what was available. Like if, if the jazz are going all in what's available to them, honestly, hard to move off the Jordan Clarkson contract because people have recency bias. Right. Right. And he hasn't been good this season. Right. And so very hard to package him for a deal. The Joe Ingles contract is no longer like Joe and a first for a wing defender. The Joe Ingles, honestly, getting Nikhil Alexander Walker for Joe Ingles in a second, that's a good Prob- deal. Probably a, a positive, but, the, but yes. yeah, I just do not see how a guy who is currently shooting 37% from two and 31% from three and is a mediocre at best defender right to come in and help this team right away if you are in win now mode that's the thing though is like win now mode for the jazz pre joe acl returns totally different looks totally different they yeah i totally agree they lost their leverage and they lost the capital they had you know like and they didn't have a lot of assets going into the trade deadline even with a healthy Joe Ingles. Right. And so like, you look at like, if you think about the deal that happened today where the Celtics sent Josh Richardson to the Spurs for a first and Derek white, or no, they sent Josh Richardson and a first to the Spurs for Derek. Derek white would have been great. Right. Derek white would have been wonderful on the Utah jazz. Exactly. The kind of player that you want a guy who can handle the ball, who can make plays, who can hit shots, who can play defense. Like, absolutely an an ideal type of candidate but right i agree they did not have they couldn't have made that deal they didn't have the assets and it's just it's such a kick in the yeah and like the thing is is that like the jazz are the kind of team where regardless of what happens at the trade deadline they like if they're going to be a title contender right now as is as constructed the jazz could still compete for a title the things that have to happen for them to do it is like they have to be playing perfect and they have to have a lot of things fall their way during the playoffs right right maybe maybe an opposing team gets an injury they get the perfect matchups in the playoffs like everything has to go right their margin of error is much smaller than a lot of other teams that are contending for a title sure and but i think 
And, and uh, one of the things that they needed to fall their way was to have Joe Ingles available to trade. And right. Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles wasn't available to trade. They had, they were getting off Joe Ingles contract. That was the difference between mm-hmm. January 30th and February 1st. Yeah. And it's hard to survey the landscape and see what other teams did today. Phoenix got better. Here's real quick on that. I think when I, when I look at what happened today, a lot of teams got better and a lot of teams made a bunch of moves, a bunch of moves the jazz couldn't have made. So like a lot of them, I'm like, Oh, good, good for them. Jazz couldn't have done it. Right. Mm -hmm. How did Phoenix get Tori's? Tory Craig. That's that's one where I'm like, whoa, he, yeah, he was- exactly. That's that's exactly the type of stuff that I am talking about. Yeah. Those those are winning moves. They got they got Tory Craig and they got uh they got Holiday. And again, like Tory Craig may not be a rotational guy for the Phoenix Suns, but he is a guy who's kind of uh last year's Clippers-esque in that he can be a situational player when you need a guy to come in and hit some shots and be tough and play some defense and just kind of be that dog. And the problem is, is that like a lot of these deals where like you're getting a Tory Craig, like I don't think because they moved, they sent Jalen Smith to uh, the Pacers. And so like, you know, Pacer, like if the Pacers are, they're looking clearly Mm -hmm. over the last week, they're looking to get young. And they want assets. And so if the Jazz were going to have made a deal like that, they don't have a young player like Jalen Smith. No. They give up. And so it's like, okay, then you're giving up Jordan Clarkson. You might have had to package a first too. And so right. then it's like, if the Jazz are in win-now mode and the move is to bring in Torrey Craig and they got to give up Jordan Clarkson and they got to give up a first, is Torrey Craig really the win-now move? And then right. you've And then you've given up a first. Yeah, I think that the uh, the Jazz were unfortunately very hamstrung totally. post post Joe Ingles ACL, and I know that hindsight is twenty twenty, but that is a guy they should have moved in the off season. Absolutely, I know it pains Jazz fans. It pains me to say that huge yeah. Joe Ingles guy, but he was no longer the player he once was for the jazz and it's a huge missed opportunity that I think is going to cost them dearly yeah. in the playoffs. I do not, I do not sur- surveying the landscape. I think Brooklyn got significantly better today. I think Seth Curry in that deal. Ooh, man. Uh, I think that, I think Philadelphia got better. It was a great you deal know? for both teams. I think I think it's a real win-win, and especially that Philadelphia didn't have to give up either Maxi or Tybal. Yeah, you still have like your defensive identity, huge, yep. and you're getting James Harden. I think that James Harden is one of the uh, most aesthetically displeasing players I've ever watched in my life. Still very he's, good at basketball. <laughs> he's still probably one of the 25 greatest players of all time. He's, very good. He's so, and if he's not 25, then he's certainly top 50. And I don't think that's arguable in the slightest. He's very, very good. And he's, a he's, I think he's certainly going to raise the 76ers ceiling. Um, I think that the Milwaukee Bucks getting Serge Ibaka is a very sneaky, good acquisition. This is a guy mm-hmm. that's hitting, 
shooting 55% from two and almost 40% from three has championship pedigree is a very versatile, big defender. Like he's the, and, and he's the type of guy who has that IQ, who's going to be able to just fit in and, and work with Giannis and, and, and Drew and the rest of those guys. And he fills that Brooke Lopez hole for them. Yep. We already talked about how we think Phoenix got better. So we're seeing a lot of these teams who are right there in contention, who have gotten better. I do not think the Utah Jazz got better. Right. I, I think, think they might be better with, with NAW in a year or so. Right. Uh, but this could also be a totally different team in a year. We don't, right. we don't know what's going to happen. And like, it's just, it's very confusing and very confounding um, to receive these, these uh, mixed messages and ultimately actions speak louder than words. I mean, I think the mixed messaging though is, isn't totally correct because the messaging, the messaging was on until January 31st. Like they're going to, they're looking to improve. They're going to make a move. They were surveying the landscape, the market. They like, it was on. Sure. And then the message had absolutely had to flip. They had no choice. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the Ingalls injury was a lot more damaging uh, than we could have expected. Absolutely. It was devastating when it happened. And now we're starting to, to uh, see the ripple effects. And, you know, as you alluded to, there has to be like the jazz still have a, a chance yeah. to be a title contender or be in the NBA finals. But there are a lot of dominoes that have to fall and there are a lot of things that have to break their way. And if I am a betting man, if I'm putting up my house oh yeah, on who I think is going to win the NBA title, I am not, not putting that money on the Utah Jazz. No. I think, I think we are looking at another second round exit. You know, they're the fourth seed right now. I think it is a long shot for them to regain the third. They probably won a first round series. This is not a team that is equipped to beat the Phoenix Suns in an, in an NBA playoff series. I do not think so outside of a, an injury to Devin Booker or Chris Paul, which stranger things have happened. But again, that's one of those, that's one of those variables. That's one of those, uh, one of those freak things that need to fall your way and, I can't put all my money in on that. I simply can't. Right. I think, I think it depends on how the jazz are playing too. Like, sure. I mean, con consistency, I think remains the biggest problem on this team. And I think mm -hmm. like if the, if the jazz are playing with the kind of like grit and determination we've seen out, out of the last two or three games, plus Rudy's back. Sure. They could beat Phoenix. I do think they yeah. could. If they, you know, if they play like they did last night. Yeah where offense is humming. That was the best defensive effort was so good. I've seen all year long. But the fact of the matter is, is that even outside of all of the variables and all of the dominoes that have to fall, you are now absolutely having to rely on guys like Hassan Whiteside, Jordan Clarkson, Trent Forrest, and Daniel House, Eric Paschal. Guys like that in the playoffs who absolutely have to deliver for you. Right. And I am not fully comfortable handing the keys to the cars to those right. guys. I and love, like I love what Trent Forrest has done lately. Uh, what I saw from Hassan Whiteside last night amazing. was the best I've seen him play all season. That does yeah. not erase 
the brain farts and the complete lack of effort he's had in other games. Same thing. Right. I thought Jordan Clarkson played great last night. Great. But I'm yeah. not taking a one game sample size and putting all of my hopes in on that. Right. And I think that's where we move to now. Like mm-hmm. the trade deadline is over. The Jazz were completely hamstrung, like you said. Like they, the yeah. deals that were available to them that they could have made were taken away on January 31st. Sure. I think, and, a, I think a healthy Joe Ingles nets them a Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes or an Eric Gordon or a Marcus Smart or, or right. all of, like, at least one of those names, at least a Josh Richardson. Right. You know, I think it totally changes the landscapes, but that's not the reality of the situation. And right. the reality and so, is, is that it was disappointing. Right. And now that's the thing is like right now, today, we don't, we don't have evidence to say we trust us on white side in the playoffs. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't have evidence to say we trust Daniel house. We don't have evidence to say we trust Eric Pascal, Nikhil Alexander, I mean, any number of people. Right. And sure. that is what the next 27 games are about. Like at the beginning of this season, you know, we, you go into a season with a lot of questions, what's going to happen. Are the jazz going to make a move? What's the team going to look like? And this season has actually been crazy for the jazz. It's been, it's been wild. It's been wild. And so guys are getting healthy. The injury list is getting shorter. Sure. I think that, you know, Gobert coming back, which could happen against the magic, certainly betting on it happening before the all-star break. He's going to definitely play in the all-star game. Yeah. So he'll be back beforehand. Yeah. Yes. And so getting the guys back, you start getting Nikhil up to speed. You start getting Daniel house up to speed because as good as Daniel was on the 10 days, uh, he still got a lot to learn about the jazz system. Sure. Yeah. And so the next 27 games are about figuring out if you can trust these guys, how good can we get it to, right? Like what's the level you can actually bring it to. And that, I mean, that is exact. That's all that's left now is like, how good can we get it? Sure. And again, I think, you know, if the jazz are firing on all cylinders and playing like they were last night and you're adding the three time defensive player of the year, like they could possibly make some noise. Yeah. You know, again, they have a puncher's chance. I, I don't that, know. Listen, I don't know how think, hard that punch is. Right. But they're not completely out of it. Um, no. And you know what? I could be eating a whole lot of crow and wiping a whole lot of egg in my face or egg off my face. You know, if they end up getting a guy like Josh Richardson or Gary Harris or Eric Gordon or whomever out of the, uh, the buyout market, there are certainly a lot of buzz about players that the jazz went after during this trade line did not get who will eventually get bought out. I think that uh, convincing people to come to Salt Lake city is always very difficult. And guys like Eric Gordon and Gary Harris are going to have multiple suitors, Mm -hmm. but maybe there's a chance. There's always a chance that they could get. There's a chance. I think it's low. I think it's low, you know, like, sure. And is the guy that's going to agree to come to the jazz? Is he better than Daniel house? Cause we're talking about two roster spots, right? Like, right. And I'm under the assumption that Daniel house is going to take one of those. I hundred percent agree. And the other one, the jazz really have to decide on whether or not they want to 
get someone on the buyout market or if they want to convert Trent Forrest to a standard deal before the playoffs right. and have him available because yeah, Donovan or Mike tweak an ankle. You're going to want Trent Forrest. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely. I think that. Um... And so like the buyout market is like, is, is a guy that is not only going to agree to come to the jazz, but also going to be available. Is he going to be better than Daniel house? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, I kind of doubt it. Yeah, it really, um, I'm very interested to see who is available. Right. Um, again, I'm much like you in that uh, I'm skeptical. Yeah. Ca- cautiously optimistic. Maybe something happens like that. Uh, again, you know, it's not like the Utah Jazz have, have ever been a big player draw, you know, uh, 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 the type of, no, type of player I mean, they were number where, one they're in not, the season last year. They're not a big year. buyout market, you know? Right, they were number yeah. one in the season last year, and they didn't get anyone off the buyout market. Ursan Sova came, it was the best, and he hadn't played all year. Right, yeah, case in point. We're talking about a team whose best free agent acquisition is Carlos Boozer. Right. And I think, I, I just doubt, you know, you, why would you gamble on the buyout market and wait around Right. And then, and then maybe someone else takes Daniel house. Exactly. No, I think that you absolutely have to sign Daniel. I think he's, he's proven that he's an asset. I think he can help the jazz. I think he's a good solid perimeter defender. I think he has a lot of things that the jazz need. I don't know if he's the guy, you know, I get, I don't think the guy, I don't think the guy is happening this year. No, I, and I don't either. And I get, you know, some bubble guts thinking about like having to rely on Daniel house in the playoffs, but maybe that's all the jazz have right now. Honestly. And like, maybe, maybe, maybe it, maybe it works, right? Maybe it does. And I think, like, I think, and I think that the same sort of benefit of the doubt that we, maybe not the same, some of the benefit of the doubt that we give to Daniel house for his situation in Houston, we probably also have to give to Nikhil Alexander Walker and his situation in new Orleans. Maybe, maybe he is, maybe he's, he's able to transform into a net positive. And I, again, I will happily eat crow if that is the case. Quinn Snyder has performed miracles as well. He turned Jordan Clarkson into the sixth man of the year. Maybe Joe Ingles into an NBA starter. Yes. He turned, he turned Royce O'Neal into a very solid three and D guy. He turned Rudy Gobert into the three-time defensive player of the year. He has a, if there is one thing that jazz do incredibly well, maybe better than just about any team in the league, it is develop guys. And right. again, I think that Nikhil Alexander Walker is a sneaky, good acquisition. And I think he will pay dividends in the future. I just do not think that he is a win now guy. I don't know. I don't think that he's a win now. I think that there's a chance that, you know, like he had horrible shot selection, which led to horrible efficiency with new Orleans. I think that new Orleans has maybe the worst spacing in the league and that he was forced to play in a situation where you got a bunch of young guys that are trying to get their own because they're playing on rookie deals. Right. Like that's, that's a hard place to be. I think that 
you know, Quinn Snyder being like, Hey, we're going to give you these minutes. You're not allowed to shoot these shots. This is where you shoot from now. Like him just laying it out on the line, being like, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. And here are a bunch of very successful and talented NBA players to do it with that. He's going to give him the, he's going to give him the Trent Forrest playbook. Yeah. The Trent Forrest (laughs) and the Jordan Clarkson layups are threes and shut the (laughs) up. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. And maybe he's able to resurrect and kill Alexander Walker, who shot 40% from three in his rookie year. Right. And like, he's also like, Nikhil has shown that he has like very, very in college, he's a great defender. I loved him coming yeah. out of draft. A lot but of people like, did. But like, New Orleans sucks. And it's the same thing. This is why I'm saying you compare it a little bit to Daniel House. We're like, Daniel House, when the Rockets were a, like a contending team, mm-hmm. Daniel House blew onto the scene and was like, I'm a fighter, right? Like he kicked he was, the jazz's in the playoffs. He was great for that team. He and was really good. Houston spirals and becomes a show and everything is going wrong. Yeah. No wonder Daniel house doesn't look good. Sure. About, like that's a horrible situation to play in. Then just barely on a 10 day, you put him in a better situation. He's happy. He's playing hard, defending well, knocking down shots. Like that's what guys can do in a good situation. Yeah. And that's, that is my very optimistic outlook on Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Again, I do want to reiterate, I like the acquisition. I'm simply skeptical that he is going to come in and contribute right away. Maybe I I'm agree. Wrong. Maybe no, I'm I wrong. agree. But I do think that like, yeah, he's, he's 6'5", he's 210. He's a very versatile defender. He plays well in the pick and roll. He can make plays with or without the ball. He Good has shown step. before that he can shoot from range and, and shoot with some consistency. And maybe he simply needs a change of scenery uh, and guys and a coach who know what the f- they're doing. Yeah. I think he's a guy who's going to be able to learn a lot from a Donovan, a Mike Conley, a Quinn yes. Snyder. Um and I do think that he will eventually be a valuable asset, but I, I think it's going to take time. You know, yeah. I don't think that this is going to be a Jordan Clarkson plug and play situation. Right. And I think, you know, that's, it's a difficult place for the jazz to have been in. I mean, I could say it a million times that like this trade deadline looked very, very nice right up until January 31st. And then it right. didn't look good at all. And like, mm-hmm. so I have to think, if I'm just like placing the players next to each other, like, all right, Joe Ingles out, Nikhil Alexander Walker in. Well, Joe wasn't going to play all year and Nikhil is a live body. Okay. So that's, that's a plus. Right. Um, Elijah Hughes out, uh, one, one Hernan Gomez in Elijah wasn't going to get minutes. Um, uh, no matter how raw a talent and like how good he looked mm-hmm. in certain flashes, he wasn't going to play. So you got the 14th, 15th guy on the bench is now Juancho Hernan Gomez. That's good. That's, I think Maybe that's a it lights a fire also. under Hassan's. Right. And like, um, you know, if we're looking towards the playoffs too, like Hassan, ha- here's what I think that I know about Hassan. No one's given him starting minutes and he hasn't shown right. that he deserves that anywhere. Right. But yeah how many minutes are we actually wanting out of Hassan in the playoffs? 10, 10, 15 max. I I'm, I mean, I think 10 max. Cause like at some point you're probably going to play like gay or Pascal at the five, depending on what the other team does. Right. Sure. You, so no, like, I think you're right. I rescind that. Yeah. I think at 10 minutes maximum. 
Yeah. Hassan Whiteside can play two five-minute stretches in the playoffs and do a good job. Sure. I I want to see him do it more often before the playoffs. <laughs> you know? I think we all do. Sure. Yeah. But I think that playing behind Gobert and until we get to that point, competition with Doak has been great for both of them. It has. It, Doak it ha- looks like a legit NBA player lately. He, he looks listen, he looks good. Doak could play reserve center minutes if you know what if Hassan gets injured, right? Sure. I think that you can split small ball minutes and Doak reserve minutes so he only has to play just a couple minute stretches. Go and do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that he could. I, I um, feel like Doak's finally starting to like figure things out a little bit. And I think the thing is is, is playing with guys who know. Yes. Like that it's, it's so underrated in the NBA that like you take a young player or a developing player and they play a bunch of G league games or they play a bunch of garbage minutes. They're going to look a certain way. But if you plug that player into a rotation with a bunch of dudes that know Mm -hmm. they're going to look better. And I think if there's one underrated part of Mike Conley, who is so incredibly good at basketball so good he's so he made two or three plays last night that just made me like do the horse laugh yeah Mike Conley's taken a charge at midcourt yeah and just like every now and again the way he'll read the defense or bait someone but the uh, one of the most underrated aspects of Mike Conley's game is that he is basically like having a coach on the floor yeah, exactly. He is so smart and he understands not only the jazz system, but the nuances of basketball. He's the type of guy, he's like a jazz musician. You know, he can read the music sheet by sheet, but then when he needs to, he can he can just react on the fly, you know, yeah. and he can and, improvise. And improvise. And that is so, so valuable to young guys like Trent Forrest and and Doak. And you're seeing seeing those guys really reap the benefits. I have really been impressed with Trent Forrest since Joe Ingles has gone down. He's been such a pleasant surprise running the offense, not turning the ball over. Um, He seems to have found a niche going to the basket. He's got a big frame for a guard and he's learning how to use it. He made Steph Curry look bad last night. He did. And like, I don't think he's a great defender, but he's putting forth the effort. And again, it's netting some positive results. Yeah. So I'm seeing some good things. If this is, if this is the way the jazz are trending, I will be much more optimistic of them uh, going into the playoffs. I still need to see it though. This is still a team that lost to new Orleans at home, lost, right. to, lost to, Detroit and and has this just laundry list of just god awful games. You know, if they can get if they I think the two big things with the Jazz right now, one, they got to get healthy and B, they have to continue this effort. Right. I think it's been maybe a bit of a blessing in disguise that Gobert has been out and they have been forced to defend without him. Yeah. The big challenge now is plugging in Gobert and them not resorting or reverting back to bad habits yeah. of, hey, we got the three-time defensive player of the year. He's going to clean up our mess. Yeah, I really... That, that can't be the mindset anymore going forward. That's a that's a huge part. I really, really agree with that. That's, I mean, like we said, like, I, I want to be optimistic about the team. I want I want these guys to be able to figure it out. The next, the next 
the stretch from now to the playoffs is so important on figuring out if they can actually do something. And Mm -hmm. part of that is that, you know, forcing them to play without Gobert has taught them a really valuable lesson. And I, and man, if they, if they start getting lazy on point of attack defense, I'm going to lose my, it's just like you, you showed me that you could do it for two weeks and now you've given up again just because Rudy's back. Like, you can't. You can't no, do it. That cannot happen. And if I'm Quinn Snyder, I might be throwing around the B word. And I don't mean I mean bench. Absolutely. You've shown me you can do this. You know, yeah. you hung with the Warriors and the Suns when, when Rudy, when your two best players were out. You showed me that nasty this team has not had all season long. Um, If I don't see that moving forward, then I got a real cozy spot next to Alex Jensen on the bench. Yeah. And I like, I honestly like from Quinn that he, I I mean, I think the frustration did set in. Sure. He, he gave Doe Kassan's job. Yep. Which is honestly kind of an insane thing to do from ballsy as hell. From everything that we've seen from Doke up to a week and a half ago, that's very ballsy, right? It could it, it it could have gone disastrous. Yeah, the Jazz could have lost every single one of these games. Well, that and you could also I could also see like Hassan being really offended and like asking out. Yeah, straight up quitting. Yeah, wave me, wave me. I'm done. Yep, I'm done. I'll go somewhere else. F- you. Yeah. Which he wouldn't have. No one else would have picked him up at that point. Fair. But like, I mean, the I I like that response. I like I like Quinn and the coaching staff saying like, all right, Doke, Hassan can't start a game. Let's see if you can. And yeah. like, uh, the development. I mean, just just in the last few games of Doke, I mean, is incredibly valuable. The the fire that we've seen lit under Hassan Whiteside has been amazing. He was so good last he night. He was so good last night. That's the best I think I've maybe ever seen Hassan White. Multiple play. efforts on a single possession, like not giving up on rebounds. Like uh, that's that's what I like to see here from Hassan. It's the potential that he has. That's the kind of guy you want going into the playoffs. Yeah. And the type of guy I saw another thing. I know he didn't have a ton of points last night, but uh, another thing was, is that when the wizard or the, the wizards, the warriors went small, he was able to punish them inside. Yeah. You know, there were a couple times, you know, Trent Forrest penetrated, dumped it off. He got an easy bucket. There was another time he had a little turnaround jump shot. Um, and that's just another like little wrinkle that you can have a rim protector who can also make, make uh, defenses pay. That's something you're going to absolutely need in the playoffs. Yeah. And we saw, you know, there were, there were games when Hassan was starting when Rudy was out and he finished the game with like nine and six, that's not going to yeah. cut it. Right. Nope. But last night he had 17 rebounds Uh-huh. and seven, eight blocks, seven blocks, nine points, 17 rebounds. Yeah. It, it That's was such great. A, such a crazy stat line. Yeah. Yeah. You'll take that every single day from your backup center. Absolutely. And, and I any think team that... in the league would take that for their backup center. Yeah, 17 exactly. boards and seven, seven block shots. Right. And like the thing, like, I liked also in the post game that he said that he, you know, cause I asked him like, Hey, did you, did you start to think maybe you'd be going for a, a you know, a blocks, rebounds, points, triple, double. And he's like, yeah, I thought it for a minute. He's like, but 
the blocks were working, which forces the other team to change the way they're playing. And he recognized that. And so he's like, they were attacking me a lot early. I was knocking the shots out. And then they started moving around and making weird passes. And so he had to just like defend differently. And he did. He did. He did. (laughs) He showed that he can be a versatile defender. Yeah. Like, and so the the recognition is there. (laughs) Yeah. Hassan Whiteside, when he wants to be, which is a huge caveat, is a good basketball player. Yes. Who can hang with starters in this league. Yeah. But again, there's that huge caveat. It's when he wants to. It's when he wants to. And I think it's a huge... uh, I I doubt very seriously. Right. I doubt very seriously that like playoff basketball is not going to be the time when he wants to. I think you will get good Hassan then. I certainly hope so. I think, I hope, I think, I can't say that I know. Right. And I think that's... That's what we're wondering is like now, like the dust settles and we figure out what this team actually has. And like, I mean, this team has more players and is deeper than they were last year. If they play at the level that they were last year, then this is a really good team. Yep. But I think that this, this whole year has been about inconsistency effort in the right spots of the game at the right time. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and just like question marks on whether or not these guys are ready to do it. And so uh, it's just a very interesting stretch now from here to the playoffs to find out if the Jazz, you know, are they put up or shut up, right? It's put up or shut up time. It's, it's gut check time. Yeah, it is. One other thing that I, I noted because you mentioned it early when we started recording yes. um, that the idea of Joe Ingles re-signing with the Jazz, uh-huh. um, I think it's a bad idea. I mean, yeah, Joe Ingles' value to this team at this point is definitely as a locker room guy, and and I'm not going to undervalue that because Joe Ingles has been one of the peacekeeping dudes in that locker room. Yep. When Rudy and Donovan are mad at each other. Joe Ingles is an important part of the equation to keeping the peace. Nobody when hates Joe Ingles. Nobody hates Joe Ingles and everybody will listen to Joe Ingles. Yes. And so Highlands, <laughs> <laughs> nobody hates Joe Ingles. They will listen to him. And, and what he says is like, he, he doesn't mince words with that team. No. He'll walk into a locker room and he'll Very be like, direct. Hey, you guys nut up, you know, like, he he's very direct and it's and it's really valuable i think that that is the biggest loss from getting rid of joe ingles but as donovan mitchell said last night you know he's not going to portland (laughs) he's he's gonna be here and so it's like you traded the contract you didn't trade the person so like for right now joe is still here you know to be a voice but if he really is serious about actually coming back to basketball number one whoever the team is that says, Oh, I'm, I want to take Joe Ingles at 35 coming off of an ACL. I'm going to think that that team is probably a little bit dumb. Yeah. I think that team is named the Brisbane bombers. Yeah. Like I just, I just don't think that that would like, if this team is really serious about being deep and about winning now, then winning a title re-signing Joe Ingles this offseason is not the move. I could not agree more. 
And the yeah. fact of the matter is they hung on to him too long. Yep. They really so, like, did. You got, they, at some point you got to learn from your mistakes. And yep. honestly, I think, I think that it might be a good thing that the jazz didn't stick with their original plan of like player in a first to try and go out and get someone because, yeah. because if they would have just chased that idea after Joe Ingles went down, I think that we're looking at the jazz, not getting that great of a return and also leveraging the future on that first pick. And like, yeah. I think, I think that it was actually good that the jazz stepped back and said, we got to rethink how we're approaching this. We will certainly see. We will certainly, we will it's, certainly see. It's disappointing, but I certainly understand the reasoning behind that. Doesn't make me happy. No, of course I'm, it doesn't. I'm make still happy. mad. Yeah, you can be. Which mad. is kind of just like my default setting. So like, yeah. nothing has really changed. Yeah, I, we're gonna wrap up here, but uh, stay tuned because the podcast isn't over. Uh, Greg and I recorded earlier in the week, but pretty much the day after we recorded, there was some stuff that became outdated. And so, but there are parts of that conversation that are important. And so I kept it and I'm going to, I'm going to play that here. And so uh, please enjoy the, the, the stuff that we recorded earlier this week. <laughs> also, congratulations to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert for making another all-star team. They're both on yeah. team. They're both on team Durant, right? No opposite teams. Oh, are they? Okay. Well, yeah. congrats to both of them. One of them is going home a winner. Yeah, one of them will be a winner. That is true. That was and th- that draft was so funny. Did yeah, you watch very that? funny. It was very funny. It was very good. Kevin Durant holding a holding a straight face is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. He's that's better than most comedians. Yeah, I think that Kevin Honestly, Durant should, truthfully. Yeah, he should he should he should uh, foray into into some improv. <laughs> I was super super impressed, especially the the whole like you know. Uh, Ernie asking him, how you doing? Can you talk about when you'll be back? And he just looks at him like as deadpan. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think no. that Kevin Durant would great. be a really interesting guest on Saturday Night Live because he would never break. Yeah. I would love to see it. Yeah. Kevin Durant, please go on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the rest of our conversation. Um, and as we'll say at the end of that one, we will talk to you next time. Bye. Donovan Mitchell back against the Nets on Friday night. We also talked to Joe Ingles, who, I mean, like in his Sayonara press conference, basically with local reporters. Right. And again, it sucks. It sucks because I I hate to see him go out like this, but. Um, he's incredibly optimistic. I think maybe a little bit too optimistic, but right. he's he's like dead set. Like I'm coming back. I will be playing in the NBA. Yeah, and listen, I I hope he knows something we don't. Yeah, I you know, and I obviously like I want nothing more than for that to happen. But the reality is, is that he was already on a on a downward trajectory before this happened and he's 34 he won't be able to play until he's 35 maybe 36 I don't know well, um, and what's interesting is when we talked to him today he was like pretty vocal about the fact that he knew he straight up was like yeah I was playing like I know I was playing like 
And like, I've known that for a while. He also said like, you know, everyone has been asking me like every year for the past, however, like almost a decade, like, how are you feeling? You played in Olympics, you played in like international stuff and like, you're not stopping. He like, hasn't stopped playing basketball and that like, maybe his body was like, okay, if you won't take a break, we'll force you to take a break. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, he's like, I, I know what my work ethic is and I know what I'm going to do during recovery. And basically he was like, I will be playing in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. And I plan to be playing on the NBA court before that. Yeah. Do you know what I really want to see? I want to see Joe Ingles come back and just be jacked. Like get (laughs) get on like the Mike Bibby workout program. Yeah. Yeah. And just come back like 20 pounds heavier looking like, like a, like a balding white Corey Maggette. (laughs) I would love nothing more. I want to, I want to see it, man. Come on. The if Mike anyone... Bibby workout program is it really <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> I really want to see a jacked Joe Ingles. You know what? And I got faith in our guy. Yeah. All, for all of his career, everyone's been saying how unathletic he is. And he's going to come back and just be swole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he may not be super athletic. I don't know. No, if, you know still won't. <laughs> I, I don't think any number of deadlifts are going to ever change that vertical. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, that lateral quickness. But he can at least put on some muscle. You know, it's like the it's like the scene in Rocky uh, where he's he's fighting the Antonio Tarver character. And he's like, you know, your knees don't work. Your body's got <laughs> calcium deposits. So sparring's out of the question. But you know what we can do? We can build some hurting bombs. <laughs> hurting bombs. And then um, it's just, you know, like a montage of just like 95-year-old Rocky Balboa doing like squatting like 600 pounds. I'm completely pretending right now like I've ever seen a Rocky movie. Yeah, I mean, they're great. Yeah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> he also said like during recovery, like it doesn't matter what happens with his contract, like if they're, he's traded to a different team or whatever, like he's going to be rehabbing for the next year. And he knows yeah. that. And so, and he plans on doing that here because it's not like, like first and foremost, he was like, I'm not going to like take my kids out of school, you know, next week and like put them in a new place and uproot sure. them just so I can like, you know, rehab. Moving on to Donovan Mitchell. I also have spent the last couple of days talking to sports neurologists Mm -hmm. and she has a, Sarah's got a great column on the desert news about Donovan Mitchell seeking uh, medical help for his concussion uh, symptoms. That was a great plug. Thank you. I'm I'm here for you. I'm here for you, babe. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, basically, it's like two weeks is not a long time. No. Like, I feel like everyone was really freaking out that Donovan had missed eight games, but it's like today has, like, he's going to return to playing today, and that's only 18 days. Yeah. And in the world of concussions, that's not, that's like a normal amount of time. Yeah, that seems pretty standard unless you're an NFL player. <laughs> right. And, and even then, it's like, you know, Donovan said today, Cause I mentioned, I was like, I've talked to people and what I'm hearing is that like two weeks is very normal. And he's like, yeah. And I didn't know that. So like, right. you know, day 10, 11, 12, I'm still getting sick and having headaches. I'm starting to get nervous. Right. And so that's why he like sought out a specialist who then told him the same thing. Like, this is a normal time frame. And people think about NFL players. It's like, they miss one or two games. 
that actually could equal 10 to 14 days in the NFL. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, let's say you get a concussion on like a Thursday night game and then you miss, uh, and you don't play until next, next Sunday. Weeks. Yeah. You, and then yeah. you, yeah, you miss your, your what your, your 10 days out and you've already missed another two games and you're still feeling like, or you miss, you know, 17 days out and you've missed three games. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're out for a month. Yeah. Yeah. You're out for a month. Um, so yeah. Uh, I'm certainly no uh, neurologist, nor do I know a lot about concussions other than I don't like getting them. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a few in my day um, and they suck and you feel like, but anyway, all in all, I'm glad our guys back uh, could not come at a, at a more needed moment. Yeah. Um, I and I hope, I hope he's like, he's fully, fully back. Like it would not surprise me if like, Donovan has some off games. Like, I don't right. think you go from, from zero, zero to a hundred in a few days after getting your brain scrambled. Yeah. And he'd mentioned that, you know, like the first six days of him being out, he literally like just sat in a room because he couldn't drive. He like, couldn't even be on his phone for too long without getting sick. And so like, he was completely shut down. And then when he started ramp up again, that flight to Memphis is kind of what like set him back a little bit. He was like, okay, I'm feeling good, feeling good. I'm going to play in either Memphis or Minnesota. And then on the flight, he got sick. And so it's like, and then you, and then you just have to be shut down again because that's the, what the NBA concussion protocol calls for, which is absolutely the correct way. Yeah. You got to protect, you got to protect people. That's safety is, is priority. Number one. Yeah. One of the other things that we talked to Donovan about this morning was the, the, the Rudy and Donovan stuff mm-hmm. that has been reported on for years at this point. And I mean, it has, I don't know. It, it, it gave us a name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that every time that this is brought up, that the, the pod gets plugged un, unknowingly. Love it. That is brilliant SEO on our part. It is. (laughs) There's, here's the thing with Donovan and Rudy, like all of this gets reported because like, yeah, maybe these guys don't like each other. Okay. I've said this before on the pod. They're not sending Valentine's to each other. They're, they're not scheduling play dates. Like that's not who these guys are. They're coworkers and they, they work well together in mm-hmm. what they need to actually produce and they know that and so while i think that it's totally legitimate to believe that where there's smoke there's fire like fires also get put out sure and so and i think that maybe if you were like a less mature person or maybe more arrogant person <laughs> than Simmons, <laughs> that you wouldn't be able to move past tensions in a locker room mm-hmm. um, but I have a little bit more faith in guys like Rudy and Donovan and when he was asked about it this morning he he because the latest was that you know that they were either at each other's throats or somewhere in between that and passively awkward aggre- or passively aggressive awkward mm-hmm. and Donovan was like that's just straight up not true it's right. not true and so and like he's probably not going to come out and say it's true, even if it is right. But Mm -hmm. like, if you can put on the good face and get out there and get the work done anyways, like that's what matters. Right. Should we talk about how jazz finally got off the schneid? Yeah. 
that was a good win against the Nuggets. It was. I, I legitimately don't care that Jokic, Aaron Gordon, who else? There was other people. They didn't have their guys, right? It, yeah, and the Jazz didn't have their guys either. It was yeah, kind of it was kind of a fun, enjoyable game of of. It was like Mike Conley, Royce O'Neal, and Trent Forrest gutting it out. Uh huh. And, and it was Boy, fun. Boyan came out in the first quarter firing and he looked good. And I was thinking like, oh, are we going to get another 48 point game? Right. I know. From Boyan. I was like, you know, he seems to kind of have the, uh, the nuggets number and they kind of keyed in on him and very, very impressed with Trent Forrest and the way he played. I hope that's sustainable. He's 38 he's minutes and zero turnovers from Trent Forrest. Yeah. And 18 points and eight or nine assists, like six of seven shooting. He hit a three pointer. Yeah. I thought, I mean, you can't ask for anything more from your, your third string point guard from your two way guy. Yeah. Just, just awesome. Um, if this is who Trent Forrest is, I mean, obviously I don't expect him to hit six of seven shots every game. Um, but if you can start getting this kind of consistency from him, uh, it could pay huge, huge dividends because he's the Trent Forrest that we saw in Denver is exactly the kind of guy that Jazz need in like a second playmaker and another guy who can uh, provide some relief for um, Donovan and, and, and Mike and especially fill the role of Joe Ingles now that he's out. You know, an interesting conversation that we were having in the writer's room after that Denver game and honestly, something that I hadn't thought about until we started talking about it the mm -hmm. other night was they still haven't changed the rules on two-way players playing in postseason. Yeah. And so Trent Forrest is like, and that that's the discussion basically is do the jazz have to use one of the roster spots to sign Trent Forrest for the on our standard deal? That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had, I had not thought of that, but that certainly changes the landscape and, and what could possibly be done at the trade deadline. It really changed. And like, listen, you could give up, you could get rid of an Elijah or a Doak to make room. If you're sure. still wanting to bring in someone else at the trade deadline and like use one of those roster spots. Certainly would not surprise me. Right. But like, I think that that's a legitimate thing that the jazz really have to be thinking about is mm -hmm. do they need those minutes I mean, like, cause what happens if a Donovan or a Mike are injured or somebody gets in foul trouble? Like they don't, it's not Jared Butler. No, he's not there yet. He's, no, I don't think he's far off. No, but he's you just know? not there this year. But yeah. And, but the game, the game is so fast for him and you can really tell that he's not at a point where the game is slowed down enough for him to really be able to work his magic. He playoff basketball is tough. And yeah, and especially playoff basketball is a like if he's not doing this in the regular season, he's certainly not going to net those results in the playoffs. He's right. close. I again, I think he's going to be a fine player. Um, but guy just needs a little bit more, a uh, little more experience, a few more reps. Yeah. So I think I think it's going to be interesting what ends up happening with Trent Forrest. It was suggested that maybe he doesn't take the deal and wants to hit free agency. I feel like that's unlikely because I don't think that while I think that he is totally deserving of an NBA deal, I yeah. don't think that his value is going to be recognized outside of the jazz right now. Right. Hey, <laughs> uh, the jazz have two all-stars again, again, yeah. they, they did it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, 
absolutely no surprise. This year, it didn't really seem like there was much of a surprise, especially in the Western Conference, on who who was chosen. I got I a little bit worried that maybe DeJounte Murray was going to get that last guard spot. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't necessarily like have been super upset. Like, no. DeJounte Murray has been balling out. He's yeah. really, and, like, really he's, good. I love that he's like kind of had a chance to spread his wings a little bit with that Spurs yeah. team now that he's kind of the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I, you know, with Donovan missing uh, so many games with the Jazz's skid lately, it wouldn't have surprised me if it would have gone to DeJounte Murray, uh, but also doesn't surprise me that Donovan Mitchell got the pick either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have any real uh, gripes with anyone who got in. Um Outside of, I really wish that my guy, Jared Allen, would have been an all-star. I know they went with Darius Garland, and I'm glad that Cleveland is getting some sort of representation. If you guys aren't watching the Cleveland Cavaliers, I do not know what's wrong with you. They are, they're so good. They're so, and they're so much fun to watch. They're, they're, they're Grizzlies of the East. Uh-huh. And yeah. Jared Honestly, Allen those actually... are my two, those are my two league pass teams right there, yeah. Grizzlies and Cavs. And Jared Allen actually might make it in because KD's not going to play. Right. Um, there might be um, other injuries that they have mm-hmm. to address. Uh, so Jared Allen has a chance, and I, I would really love – I would love to watch Jared Allen in an all-star game. Sure. He's fun. He's great. Really, really good player. I mean, I know, like, Paul George is, isn't going to be playing. Draymond announced on TNT he's not going to play. So, like, DeJounte Murray is going to get in on like an injury exception. So yeah, very, very excited. Very happy for the guys. It'll be fun. I'll be tuning in. You know what? I'm actually, you know, before we wrap anything up, I'm going to go on the same rant that I went on Twitter last night. (laughs) Yes, please. Listen, I get like schoolyard jokes. I get ragging on people. I, I get talking. Our love language is talk that's what we do on this podcast it's what we just said (laughs) making fun of someone for crying is pathetic yeah it's it's bullshit it is like the fact that we're what is this three years later and draymond green is still making fun of rudy gobert is so toxic and so embarrassing like the same players the same people that are making fun of rudy gobert for crying were you know praising isaiah thomas for crying and for telling and telling people to back off of joel Embiid when he was crying after a playoff loss rudy gobert had just gotten off the phone with his mother and like she wanted it so badly for him that it made him upset and it was like making an all-star team was going to be like this touchstone that he could point to where it's like, we came from poverty yeah. and living Mama, in the project. I made it. Yeah. And, and he got upset when he was thinking about his mom. Erroneous doesn't matter. He could have been upset because he was having a bad day and someone brought up the fact that he didn't make the all-star team. That would have been just enough for me. And if he wanted to cry a little bit, I think that there is nothing wrong with that. 
I know that there is nothing wrong with that. And the fact that you've got a guy like Draymond Green who plays for a team like the Golden State Warriors and has the platform that he has and he's on national television and he's saying the words, you can't cry, is so detrimental because there are already problems with shaming and the idea that vulnerability is weakness, which is a complete sham. And to perpetuate that to young viewers and to young athletes and to just kids in general is absolutely embarrassing and it's completely detrimental. And it's stuff that we're going to continue to have to undo in these kids for years to come. And just, it really, really pisses me off. Unless we forget when we rewind the tape back to 2016, back when Draymond Green was at the peak of his penis pulverizing power. Was kicking left and right. <laughs> and his beloved Golden State Warriors blew a 3 1 finals lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers in large part due to Draymond Green's addiction to pulverizing penises. Yeah. It has been well documented that one Draymond Green with tears streaming from his face after losing a game seven at home in Oakland called Kevin Durant and begged him to join the Warriors. Now, obviously it was the right decision, but the hypocrisy mm-hmm. from this demolisher <laughs> Cook. is just outrageous guy we know that you cried too so to try to like pump yourself up the posturing yeah is absolutely ridiculous and the fact of the matter is i'm gonna go on record and say that there's some sour grace from draymond green because rudy gobert is a better defensive player than he is that is not a knock on draymond green who is going to be a first ballot hall of famer and a wonderful player but think there's some sour grapes that Rudy's got three of those things. (sighs) Sour grapes sounds like something Draymond would love to put his hands on. If not, definitely one of his Nikes. He definitely would love to (laughs) kick some sour grapes. He's not, I mean, he's, he's close to Napa. He could go and do that all he wants. (laughs) He can stomp grapes every day if he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. And just, it really upset me. And I know, I know that like jazz fans have been, you know, pushing against that narrative for years and have been dealing with this uh, longer than I have. Um, But I was mad back when Draymond first started making fun of it before I was associated uh, with covering the jazz at all. And I'm, I'm still mad about it. Those are things that I just don't like that at all and it sucks too that like Shaq and charles and just the whole no one team, said anything they well and they they were joining it it's just like they were like so, yeah man there's, yeah there's such a stigma surrounding rudy gobert that's very puzzling and i think that there's some real like xenophobia there and absolutely and like we've talked about it before there is kind of a fraternity when it comes to 
uh, guys in the NBA, especially guys like clutch sports guys who Draymond is, you know, there's the cool kids table and you don't see Rudy Gobert sitting there. Um, and you, I mean, Rudy's a quirky guy. He's, he's a bit abnormal for guys, uh, you see in the NBA, but it certainly doesn't like warrant the criticism that he gets. Not at all. It's very, it's very dumb. And I know that like, we don't turn to, uh, NBA players for intellectualism, but it's just, it's corny and it's childish and Draymond knows better. Yeah. That's the thing. He knows better. Uh, should we close it on demolishing? (laughs) Come see them play at the warp tour this summer. Uh, on tour thanks everyone for stopping by you know what to do rate review subscribe download do all of the things send us an email on salvageablepod at gmail.com we love a five-star review we also read the one-star reviews and you can follow greg at dad sham dad you can follow me at nba sarah follow the show at unsalvageables and we will talk to you next time Ciao. Ciao, Bella. Penis pulverizer. <laughs> You're the best. You're the best. <laughs>